the person that delivered me ended up being a nurse because there were no doctors. Oh my gosh. And my dad had to help. And my dad's like, you didn't want to come out. And I was like, probably because you guys were going to raise me Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we have a special guest. We do, and we're very excited. Lupita Aquino, better known as Lupita Reads, is a passionate library enthusiast, amplifying and highlighting books through Instagram and TikTok. When she's not reading, you can catch her occasionally writing about books for today.com, shereads.com, and for her Substack, where she spotlights Latine authors and their books on a weekly basis. She lives in the greater Washington, D.C. area and enjoys visiting the local bookstores with her family on the weekends. Welcome, Lupita. Thank you so much for having me. I was really excited when I got your note about your podcast because, you know, growing up Catholic, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It says a lot, yes. You know, I think one of the challenges for us, Steph, is like, you and I are bonding over this whole growing up Catholic thing, but it's not like the primary way we identify ourselves. It's more like mm-hmm. underlying everything, mm-hmm. you know? A lot of the folks we have on kind of do identify around Catholicism in one way or another. Like, you know, we had Danny on recently, who's like a queer Catholic artist. We have a lot of folks who identify in some way around Catholicism, which is different than you and I, I think, Steph, um, where it just right. is sort of like our background and kind of secretly underlies <laughs> The way. We're trying to figure out how that lens has cha- changes what we see. Exactly. And like rooting that out. And so I was saying like to Lupita, I'm just a fan of Lupita's work mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, as a fellow book nerd, and I was like, yes. I wonder, I wonder if she just, I don't even, I can't even put my finger on it, but it was just a vibe I, I was getting. I was like, I very much wonder if she was raised Catholic. And I was, I was correct. <laughs> you can, we can spot each other in the wild. With, that's the thing. Yeah. Even when it's not, uh, even on, not on Ash Wednesday when we were as children, we were forced to walk around with crosses on her head sometimes you can just tell is it the catholic guilt that i obviously portray (laughs) throughout everything i post sometimes where i'm like please don't hate me (laughs) i think i think we share that in common for sure Mm -hmm. i don't know where you want to start lupita this is a podcast about growing up catholic so if you just want to talk a little bit about um what that looked like for you as a kid yes so um i am I was born in Mexico. My family is Mexican. And I mean, you probably might be familiar with the fact that Mexicans are very, very Catholic. Um, Mm -hmm. So Catholic that a lot of our traditions, like a lot of our just general cultural traditions are mixed in with Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to just separate yourself Mm -hmm. from that identity of being Catholic. And I think it's such a unique experience, especially for me, because I'm queer Um, And so a lot of that played out, like for me growing up, you know, um, not being able to just like, feel like I could assert to who I am and be like assertive, and this is who I am. But also, there were like, really great memories I have of being Catholic, Mm -hmm. you know, and growing up Catholic and 
as I'm raising my kid, you know, I don't go to church anymore. I'm not, I'm not a practicing Catholic. I don't necessarily consider myself a Catholic. It's more like a warm, tender memory that I carry around. Like, you know, and because it's cultural, I'm like, I grew up Catholic. So like, it's part of me, but it's not necessarily something that I, I want to passed down for so many reasons to my kid so it's just a weird thing to navigate and I know you both are parents right so Mm -hmm. that's something that's always interested me like how people choose to navigate teaching your children about spirituality without some type of religious um, institution and religious like you know rules and all this stuff I feel like you've gotten that something we are constantly hitting up against and examining we just went to our niece's first communion and it brought all this stuff up. I'm like, oh, yeah, these rites of passages I'm not going to have for my son because we don't go to church and all of this stuff. So it's, I feel like it probably keeps coming up. He's only nine months old, so we're new to it. But um, I'm sure it continues to be a question maybe. I don't know. So was your family, I mean, did you go to church every Sunday growing up and all of that? Yeah, we went to church every Sunday growing up. You know, it's funny for this past Ash Wednesday or, um, you know, thinking about Easter, my mom, she's really great, actually. She's not super pushy, but she still gives that little mom, like, go to church (laughs) Catholic guilt thing now and then, you know, especially with my son. And it's like tiny little moments of like, let me just dig, you know, like. He should be going to church. He should know God. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. how do you raise him not knowing God? But uh, yeah, it was just the Ash Wednesday. I, I actually went and it brought back a lot of memories, mm. you know, and it brought back a lot of like, we were hardcore, you know, we would. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know about you all and how like, you know, I know that um, for Latinos and Catholicism, it's it plays out so differently, or I think it does. But, you know, I grew up with like on Easter, like, Jesus reenactments like going through the cross crosses you know um Mm -hmm. uh where you would literally we we were downtown Silver Spring you have like a fake Jesus carry a cross and you would do prayers so it was like hardcore it was from nine o'clock till four o'clock five o'clock you know and it was rosaries and so I mean it was I grew up very very Catholic um and it's actually not something I talk about a lot so I, I really appreciate you guys having me on here so first of all, I'm curious, do you have siblings? Two younger brothers. Okay, so you're the oldest. I'm also the oldest child. Ste- Steph, you're also the oldest. Mm-hmm. Oldest daughters, man. That's the other thing. <laughs> We're special. <laughs> We're such a special breed. <laughs> I agree that my husband's also an oldest child and I have two kids. So we're like three of us are oldest children. Like my poor younger son is like dealing with all these oldest children in the family. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um okay so you were family of three did you attend catholic school i did i did. did so we had this whole thing where on the weekends um you know i have a huge family here so all the cousins would get driven by one uncle dropped off and then we'd have to go to like you know first communion school and then I went all the way up and did my confirmation, you know. Ah. So uh, Teresa's my confirmation name, everybody. There we go. <laughs> we need to know. We were going to ask. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would not get that, you know, in like the real world. They'd be like, what do you mean a confirmation? Right. Do you remember why you chose that? I don't actually don't remember why. I don't know. I, You know, I, I, so here, here's the thing. Don't judge me, but I failed the first <laughs> round of confirmation. Ooh. 
we were just, you know, we're a bunch of Latino kids just like not wanting to be there in general. So we were all just Uh bad. And the teacher was just like (laughs) fed up, you know, we would just go there to like have fun and kiki and like talk to each other. And so she was fed up and she's like, no, you guys are going to have to do the summer. There's no way you guys can pass. So she didn't pass us. Wow. I've never heard of that happening. No. Isn't that wild? Wait, was this in a Catholic school or was this in a CCD like weekend class? It was like a weekend class. It was not a Catholic school. Yeah, I went to public school. A lot of the Catholic schools here are private. So my parents, yeah. you know, we just, right. they just enrolled me in public school, but we did do it on the weekend and the weekend stuff. That's what I did. Yeah. We were part of the church. And so they failed me. And so I was Ugh. just like, oh man. Um, was your mom upset? Yeah. She was really mad at me. Like my dad would have. It was like one of the worst things I've ever done. And there's been like a couple, you know, that, <laughs> that's like on the top tier. And so I think I just remember being like, Ah, I don't even know. Because remember, didn't you have to do like some type of summary or report based on the, the person that you picked for your confirmation? The saint. I think we had to do a saint report. Something. Yeah. So I think I just remember Teresa being easy. And so I was just like, I'm just going to do There's Teresa. a lot of information about her. <laughs> well, there's. I was like, yeah, I mean, why not? So I just kind of blanked and was like, whatever. <laughs> nice. Those things are so hard. because I feel like as an adult, you can be like, oh, the class wasn't very engaging and like yeah. I you know like sure. this wasn't something I wanted for myself but like as a kid you're just like oh especially with the catholic message it's like oh you failed you know this like <laughs> you sinned even if you ha- even if that's not what they say that's like the vibe I feel I oh it is the vibe and yeah. we didn't want to be there so when my uncle would drop us off there's a couple of times where there's it was like the school was near a mall. So he would drop us off. We would hide in the bushes and then go to the mall and just skip oh Catholic school. We were really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's amazing, though. It was fun to me. You know, we get in trouble all the time. But yeah, when you force kids to do things that they don't want to do, you can't expect them to not have some type of like reaction right so behavior is a reaction yeah but again it's just funny because the one uncle who would always drop us off would always on the way to catholic school would tell us like scary stories oh i know and like so that was his whole thing he was a great storyteller and i just Mm. remember sitting in the car and we'd be like tell us a story tell us a story so it's just so interesting to have something that ended up being you're right like you're so bad for for doing this and you know that's probably where I learned the guilt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then having that paired with good memories, it's mm-hmm. just such an interesting experience, you know? It's hard to not mesh the two together sometimes. My family is Slovak, and it took me until being an adult really to understand, like, I thought Catholic stuff was Slovak stuff mm. um, so in a similar way. I was like, oh, wait. Other people who aren't Slovak also do this because they're Catholic. It took me a while to sort through that stuff too. It's it's your culture. It's all intertwined. It really is. I mean, my name, Guadalupe, which is like Lupita's a nickname, but Guadalupe is the Virgin of Guadalupe, you know? So <laughs> I was born on the day that she appeared to Juan Diego. And so uh, my mom was going to oh. name me something else which apparently, according to my grandmothers, when she told them, sounded like vagina in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> and so they were like, absolutely not. She is, you know, she is born on this day and she has to be named this. And so, wow, that's why I was named that. And my mom tells me the story every year about how her and my dad <laughs> could not find a doctor because that day, everything in Mexico shuts down. It's like oh. the biggest, most special day. They couldn't find a taxi. Everyone's like partying. They're just celebrating. It's very huge. So the person that delivered me ended up being a nurse because there were no doctors. Oh my gosh. And my dad had to help. And my dad's like, you didn't want to come out. And I was like, probably because you guys were going to raise me Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> so was that what was that like then? So your birthday was on a holiday every year? Mm-hmm. It is. Still is. Clearly. <laughs> it's really funny um, and very traumatic, but also weird. I'm going to be really weird right now. Because- yes. So my birthdays, when I was younger, I just had to get used to the idea that like every day we would be at church for my birthday. Like I would not have like, it would be like a cake at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be like, wake up early, have to go to church because we're going to sing. So for us, we go and we have mass obviously and then we go and we, and we sing happy birthday to the virgin it's beautiful it's wonderful but growing up as a kid you know who wants to be in church for their birthday you know yeah. like it's just not something I wanted and everything was always focused on her you know and so it was just like an overshadow and then over time I just kind of gave into it and I was just like this is actually really beautiful I love that my culture is tied so deeply to who I am, you know? And then I met somebody, my wife, whose birthday is the same day as mine. <laughs> <gasps> what? Oh my gosh, I love that for you so, so much. You know what? She, I will say, the Virgin, La Virgen de Guadalupe, sent me another, another woman to share my birthday with. And oh. I don't know, it's like woman power, you know? Like we, we love each other so much, and I never feel, and maybe, I, maybe my whole life, right? not to get all Catholic and faith, you know, it's all about faith, but maybe my whole life was leading up to figuring out how I could prepare to share a birthday with the person that I love the most in the world. So yeah. I I love love that that. so much. That might be my favorite like Catholic-y story that we've had on the podcast. Well, I I never thought about it that way. So thank you for like inviting me to talk about being being Catholic because I would never have made those connections. (laughs) Was she also raised Catholic, your wife? She was not. She was raised Baptist. Mm. So we have a really interesting, always kind of interesting conversations about religion and like, you know, what Catholics are like. And, you know, um, (laughs) it's just so funny. I don't know if you guys do it, but in Spanish, you know, someone who is like a Jehovah's Witness or, you know, we're always say, oh, they're Cristianos, they're Christian. Right. And she's constantly like, but wait everybody's a Christian. And I'm like, no, 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 they're Christians, you know? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) So it's just like, even understanding that nuance is really, it's funny. I feel like that just came up with Danny, with our last guest growing up in Costa Rica, because that was her. Yeah. As a kid, she said, someone asked her, are you Christian or are you Catholic? And she was like, I don't know. (laughs) She had to go ask her mom. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we separate it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you're Christian or you're Catholic. But it, to her point is like, aren't we all Christians, right? Right. No. <laughs> no. Honestly, I think my, I, I think my, I mean, even here, I think my mom says the same thing as like a Irish Polish Catholic lady. She she refers to like my in laws. She's like they're Christian. <laughs> That's, <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. 
I remember internalizing that message being like, because Catholics were like, we were like the big one and everyone else was like doing these things on their own. They broke away from the the (laughs) church. And then when you would say the Nicene Creed, you would say like that line, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Uh And I think most churches, Christian churches even say that prayer but for me that always was like proof that like catholics were like the church <laughs> like they're admitting it right <laughs> but it just means universal <laughs> i'm just like no right. it's us <laughs> so lupita i love that you had like cousins and things did you have cousins your age who did like first reconciliation and first communion with you as well were they the same age yeah we were i mean if not the same age maybe like a year or two apart yeah, But, you know, I don't know about you all, but for the weekend courses, they always just bracket the age range, mm, yeah. you know? And didn't do the weekend classes, so she doesn't get it. But, <laughs> I went yeah. to Catholic school for a lot of years, all yeah. all of the years until college. Ouch. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah. Anyway. So you got yeah. to be in class with a lot of your, your cousins? Oh, yeah. That was our thing. That's great. We would go together. We were just a little troop and... You know, again, skipping classes and just getting into trouble. <laughs> oh, man, I just think about it like as a parent now, you know, just and I just like, oh, my God, because we literally would have to like cross the street. Maybe the oldest one was 10 and we were crossing the street and going to the mall and like anything can happen at the mall, you know, anything. I just it was a wild time. that's funny though I feel like you're touching on something important which is that I think a lot of us have these conflicting feelings about growing up Catholic where we see how parts of it were problematic or traumatic and then also there is this like you said this like place in your heart for it but it becomes impossible to separate like family memories like your uncle telling stories on the way to your class, you know, or spending that time with your cousins. Like, I think it does become impossible to separate those things. Some people just love all the doctrine, but I think some people stay with it because there is, it's so wrapped up, like all those, all that nostalgia and memory is wrapped up in the ritual and the mass is the same every time, except now they've changed some of the words, but you know, you can, um, (laughs) there's something like so comforting in that, I think, because it does bring back like a lifetime of, um, of those memories. So that is really interesting. Uh, Not to be on brand, but I was thinking about our talk today, (laughs) and I thought about a book that I recently read. Yes. Nicole Chung wrote a memoir called A Living Remedy, and it's a memoir about how she lost her father to an illness and then later loses her mother to cancer. Mm -hmm. And so she writes about, which I found so fascinating, and it's such a brief chapter, but she writes about their religion and their community and how their community came together during the time when, you know, they both passed and how they were there. And, you know, they helped make arrangements and they helped the family so much. She would talk about her father's faith and his beliefs and her mom's. She had this moment where she was like, if you believe that your God is your God, why would he let you go through this? She mentioned she's obviously not practicing, but she just explored those things that we're talking about in such a Mm -hmm. delicate way where she just allows for it to be a reality and then Mm -hmm. also allows for it to give her comfort, but from a distance. It's like you can love something and appreciate it It's for its worth from a distance versus having to be like, this must be a good thing because it made them feel good. It it filled their lives. It brought them community, right? Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was so well done. And I think about how hard that is, you know? 
I don't know about you all, but it's something that I'm like, should I be trying harder? You know, Mm -hmm. should I just find the right type of community, right? Not everyone in the Catholic Church has a community that is against the queer families, you know, or that preaches that it's a sin or whatever. But I don't know. I just think it's hard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm concerned. I don't know. They probably won't hear this. I was going to say, I'm concerned the Episcopals are going to knock on your door after hearing this. They're going to be like, oh, yeah. we're, we're like Catholics, but we're queer friendly. Nice. Which, they are. <laughs> which I'm not knocking it at all. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully they don't know where I live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we won't tell anybody. We've had a lot of people on the podcast who've chosen to remain Catholic or become Catholic while being queer or having experienced trauma in the church. And I I wrestle with it every time we have this conversation. Should I be doing something different? It comes back to my struggle, but I think there's some part of you that just knows yeah, what you, sure. you need. And if you're like, oh, I, I'm okay, or I found a different community, I don't know. No, I um, think the first person that I ever met that was queer was also very religious and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And she was like one of my favorite people because she was so warm. And I felt like having her early on and watching her navigate both. And she was never afraid to be like, where in the Bible? No, this is how you're misinterpreting the Bible, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it takes a special type of person, right, to stand against that. Mm-hmm. You know, like my God is my God and my God is for me, you know? And I just don't think that I'm that person. You know, because I, I, don't, I don't know if it was the way I grew up and the religious institutions I grew up around and the fears. And I haven't actually ever thought about it or explored it, but I just have never been able to be like, no, I'm I'm the one that gets to dictate what my right. God is like and how my God feels about me. When did you sort of know the Catholic Church wasn't for you or when you felt yourself evolving away from it? That's a good question. I, I, it's not one I have given a lot of thought of, of um, but I think... I think maybe sometimes you just wake up one day, you're like, oh, this had happened. I don't know. And and it's so funny because there wasn't like a specific, I can't say that there's a specific thing that happened or maybe there was. And I just, you know, can't remember. But I do know that when I was living away from my family, you know, I think we we touched on that. Somebody mentioned the nostalgia that it brings to go to mass. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was living um, in the Midwest for a little bit um, away from my family. My family is on the East coast and I would go to church every Sunday, you know, I would Mm -hmm. go and um, I would just sit in church and go to mass and it would fill me, you know, because I missed Mm -hmm. home. I missed my family. And then I think my relationship changed with it when I came home mm-hmm. and when I, when I started to live with, around my family. And then it became more of a, a duty, right? Something that mm-hmm. you have to do because if you don't do it, then you're not a good person or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you shame on you because God needs you to show up at his church every Sunday, right? Versus like coming to it from, from like a place of myself where I'm like, mm-hmm this is what it does for me. And this is how it fills me. So yeah, I think, I think my family ruined it for me. No kidding. <laughs> I don't care if they hear that, to be honest, because y'all need, y'all need to stop being so pushy. There you go. And then like, start recognizing that there's forces out there. Like you need to stand up for us. You just don't need to be like, Oh, well, let's just not tell people that mm-hmm. you are gay. Right. Just go to church. Don't tell anyone that mm-hmm. you're gay. Just show up. No. 
Like you can't do that. No, I always have had a hard time being quiet. So yeah, those homilies, sometimes they just say something and I'm like, I can't be in this building with with you. I just can't do, I couldn't do it. (laughs) But a lot of people are like, just tune them out. Don't listen to that part. And I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know how that, I don't know how that works. (laughs) And how do you explain that to a child, right? That's my biggest thing. Like I take him, he's listening, he's hearing this, and then he feels that guilt. I don't get to come Mm -hmm. home and explain to him and be like, hey, you know what? Just don't listen to that part. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to put him through that. I refuse to. Yeah. Having my own kids and thinking back on it has certainly shaped my thinking about it. And I and I have friends who are raising their kids Catholic and just like do have those conversations at home. And I'm not knocking folks who do who are like, well, here's what our family believes, you know. So I hesitate to say like it's I mean, I think I I get it. I do get it. But also like for me, yeah, I just couldn't like I couldn't send my eight-year-old into a confessional to confess his sins the whole concept just like goes against the way we talk about everything in this house and parent and so I couldn't I couldn't do that um we yeah my family belongs to a Methodist church theoretically a very lefty queer friendly Methodist church although I'm I rarely go so if anyone from the church here is they're gonna be like do you belong to the you're church? almost double uh, lapsed man <laughs> Well, almost, but they're way more chill about it. You cannot show up forever. And then you show up, they're like, oh, hi. And there's, you know. Hey. Yeah. And it's great. And I lo- I think what I loved is like, that's the thing. Progressive people, queer people, people who care about social justice. I feel like there's this myth in America, at least, that like they don't care about religion, but they, lots of people do. And that's like what I think what I liked about this church is like, there are, yeah, there's tons of queer people. It's racially diverse. There's people who care about social justice. And like, they also want to sit in like an old church and have like a pretty, stu- like, it's like a, it's similarly like a pretty stuffy kind of old feeling, you know, service. There's no rock bands or anything. It's like, it's like an organ with kind of rough music. But like my eight-year-old has decided, said he doesn't want to go. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not going to make you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I don't know. I had to think about that though. It, it didn't occur to, you know, I don't know. How old is your son, Lupita? Mine is four. My okay. mom has offered also to take him on the weekends and stuff, you know. And yeah. It's so hard because, yeah, I, I do want him to have those experiences, you know, but not at the cost of the homophobia, you know. No, absolutely. And it's already going to be hard on him. Kids got two moms. It's a lot, mm-hmm. you know. It's going to be there <laughs> we, somewhere. We joke about it all the time. <laughs> And, you know, honestly, I just get tired of the, oh, they're sisters or they're, you know, like, so we had this whole thing. We were going to baptize him. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, how do you propose that, mom? You know, Mm -hmm. how do you propose that? And she's like, well, you know, you just tell the father that it's just you. Mm. But I'm like, I don't, I didn't just make him by myself. You know, and I didn't even carry him. We made him together because we wanted to be a family. And I'm like, and you're asking me to just for the sake of a ritual, erase all of that and pretend that what I'm a single mom, (laughs) you know, like it was just awkward. Also, just the irony of the you'd have to lie to a priest about a sacrament (laughs) in church. Like you have to go to how many Hail Marys you got to say after that. Like that's. You know, the Catholic rules, that feels kind of grave. I don't know. Well, I guess to her thing, it's not a lie if you're just not saying it, right? 
I guess the lie of omission. The lie would be if they if they if they ask like, "Where's the father?" And then you're hooked on for the lie. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Oof. they would ask, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Well, know. I would think they would ask. I, I would think they. And you know, it's so funny. Like that moment going through that with her, I was just like, I don't want it. And also, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. It was. I didn't say it before, but and I don't think I've said it to myself, but. I was scared to be judged. I was scared to go in there mm-hmm. and have a conversation and be like, listen, I have, I appreciate my religion. I want to be more into being Catholic and I want to be feeling like the church is welcoming of me and my family, but I don't. And I want to be able to do that and go to a priest, but I don't know about y'all, but that seems like a setup for failure. You know, that seems like more of a traumatic experience uh, because you could come across the wrong priest. You never know. I know my mom was going through something and she went to a priest for advice and he gave her terrible advice. I was, mm-hmm. I was like, why would he ever, why would he, why? Mm-hmm. For my mom, my Catholic Mexican mom, a priest is basically her therapist, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, they are not equipped to do therapy. My mom converted to Catholicism when she married my dad. And she would later talk about how mad she was because that priest was awesome and like a feminist and all this stuff. So she was like, great. The Catholic church is aw- like, I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah. And then she's like, wait, it was just that one guy. That's not fair. They should have said that to me. She would always, she would talk about that all the time. She's like, if that priest wasn't as good, I wouldn't have ever converted, but it's amazing. Yeah. Just one person. You, and it's such yeah. a roll of the dice. It really is. Which is the big shame of it. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible instability to feel, you know, when I was in the Midwest, there was a um, priest and he was very, everybody had a cross to bear, you know, that was the thing for Easter. And so there were kids and they were, you know, their cross to bear was different things, but it felt almost a little queer inclusive Mm. and not like queer guilting you because you're queer, Hmm. but it was never said. You know, that yeah. that it's just never spoken like we're okay with it. And I don't know if you all follow the whole thing with the Pope and how he's like said it and he's got gay friends. And mm-hmm. I hate to admit it, but sometimes I get really excited, you know, because I'm like, oh, my God, are we making this? Is this going to happen for us? Because I, I, I'm a secret Catholic. He puts me on such a roller coaster, that man. We have so many complicated feelings. I do think I'm a, I'm a secret Catholic. <laughs> I think that does happen. I like that phrase. I just like, I have a whole thing with Francis. Yeah. <laughs> because he's often says that uh, great, like queer inclusive stuff, but then he says like some anti-trans things every now and again. And I'm just like, yeah. we're so close, man. Like, come on. What did he call trans activism? Like cultural colonialism? Something so... So ironic that I wanted to like throw something out the window. I was like, are you kidding me? Trans folks are the one taking their culture and imposing it around the world. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure if you want to look at yourself? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I find myself absolutely on the same journey. Every time there's anything remotely inclusive that happens, like there's a conversation I know in the church right now, there's f- conversations about LGBT folks. There's conversations even now there are I think something happened at the Vatican recently for the first time a woman got to vote on something for the first time in the year, like on something church related. And also there's like a, at least a conversation happening, not with the Pope, but with other people, priests and things around women becoming not even priests, but deacons. And I'm like, 
I'm cheering for it. And then I'm like, what year is it? Like, it's absurd <laughs> that I'm excited about this. Yeah. The fact that, you know, a priest says maybe queer people are not going to hell is like, yay. And then I'm like, what? And then, you know, and then I go to my like, you go to a different inclusive church and you're like, oh, people could just say it. You could just actually say that like that, you know, trans rights are human rights and that queer people are like just living their lives and that women have autonomy over their own bodies. Like there are religious people saying this. And then I'm like, I just I then I'm like, why was I excited about this like tiny bit of <laughs> progress? I don't know. It's a it's a lot. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, I think for me, the excitement comes from the possibility of like, you know, family members who have never said to me, like, I don't accept you, but have in a way felt like when they found out that I was gay, that I am gay, that, you know, they just sort of saw me differently. And Mm -hmm. they still see me differently. So basically, I think I get excited that there could possibly be bigger news, like, you know, of acceptance from the Pope and all that great stuff, because it might trickle down to how my relationship with my family goes, you know, a lot of them when they found Mm -hmm. out, a good deal of them are really religious. And so when they found out, they kind of distanced themselves from me. And um, I distanced Mm -hmm. myself from them because I just feel like they don't see me the same way anymore. And our relationship has not been the same. Although I did have um, a couple of them come to my wedding, I did not have some other family not come to my wedding. And I also had to be very strategic about who I invited. But um, I just think that maybe if that acceptance came from higher up, that it might uh, trickle down and like impact positively the way that people like me can connect with like family members that just don't feel like, you know, they can accept unless they're told that they can accept and, and love and appreciate, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That is so real. And it's also like, not fair that you have to, obviously that you have to even think about that or that has to be a part of your life or your kid's life that that kind of consideration. Um, Right. Yeah. There's there's an organization that father Jim Martin created a website that has to do with queer Catholicism. It's new ways ministry is the one I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. So it's like a pro LGBT Catholic organization and it, there are priests and nuns and lay Catholics involved. Mm -hmm. And after we talked, we reported on it, reported is a strong word. We talked about it on the (laughs) podcast one week and I had people reach out, queer folks and non-queer folks like, or, you know, parents of queer kids who said like, I sent this to my family members. Like, thanks for letting us know about this website. I sent it to my family members. And I think that that is the goal, right? Like, here's what some Catholics are saying about LGBT folks. And there is Mm -hmm. movement in this direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's like that validation that you probably didn't know you needed. And I know I think it's so funny. People always talk about um, not needing external validation and like we focus on the fact that you should never need external validation. But I think I remember seeing some tweet or some, some note of someone who said basically like, but in community, we do need validation, you know? And so when you're in community with others and with people, like, there's a level of validation that is necessary and needed, right? Because it makes you feel like mm-hmm. you belong. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. It's just. That's a great point. Because I also feel like when you say you don't need outside external validation, it's like, I see the intent there. 
And we, some of us need to hear that at points, but also like you're kind of gaslighting people who are considered outsiders in a community, right? Like, and it's such an American kind of Western thing to say, like, oh, you just need yourself. Just like, that's not how humans exist. Like we exist in community. That's why people go to churches. That's why people find these communities because we need that as human beings. So I Mm -hmm. think you're totally right. That is important. And in a way that almost can let a community off the hook for not including somebody. Absolutely. Do you, so you already mentioned one book. Do you, are, do you feel like your Catholic upbringing affects the way you view literature or the literature that you are drawn to? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, uh, you know, maybe unconsciously, not specifically, like I don't gravitate towards wanting to read books about like spirituality or faith, but I am always interested, kind of like my antennas are like, hey, I'm so excited to read this if it's something of someone talking about being queer and like finding religion and spirituality. Mm. So in that regard, I think yes, but uh, not necessarily in, in other ways. Did you, this might be a, a straight up no answer, which is fine, <laughs> but I'm wondering going to mass and stuff, did you enjoy the storytelling aspects of it or did, did you have a favorite part of mass? That's really interesting. I love that question. I don't think I necessarily enjoyed the storytelling of it in terms of like a favorite part of mass. I think I was Mm -hmm. always interested in even kind of later when I got older, like how they decide to interpret the the scripture that they read into folding that into mm-hmm. a message. And I actually feel like that didn't become a favorite part until I went to my wife's um, church. Hmm. She has a uh, preacher there. Uh, she's black and uh, she's Mexican too. And so the preacher, when we went the specific day, just did such a great job of like, folding in the scripture in a way that I've never seen done Mm. in a Catholic church. But it did make me think like, is this what they're trying to do? They just don't know how to do it. (laughs) 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 But it was like so genius. And I remember coming back and I went, I told her, my wife, I was like, that was so amazing. Like the way that he folded in like current times and even pop culture references with what the scripture saying. It was such a good story that he told. And, you know, her whole thing was like, uh, don't tell them it's going to go to their head. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's an appreciation for the way that we interpret scripture, which is ironic because, you know, some people can really be off and just use it more in a way to hurt than unite and um, mm-hmm. connect and so it's just interesting to see the difference and to pretty like to be able to appreciate that, you know, scripture can be interpreted in a way that unites and connects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I don't know about where you grew up. I, Stephanie and I have talked about how like Catholics, at least the ones we knew, like don't do Bible study. It's like not a thing. I didn't know people who sat and read the Bible and discussed it. Protestants do that all the time. I didn't see that happening around me growing up Catholic. But 
I've still never been to a Bible study. I totally see the appeal. Like you're reading this like very ancient text that people have found meaning from for thousands of years. And then you're like talking about what it can mean. Stephanie and I are like big word nerds are into like, what are the different translations? Like I'm constantly Googling, especially if we're talking about the way something scripture is being used by Catholics to talk about something is like, what was the original? Like, what do we know about the coin Greek? Like I... I would have done great at seminary, honestly. I think I might have become a priest if women were allowed to be priests because it is like you get to talk about this very ancient text and like what it could mean. Like that's fascinating, right? That sounds fun. I don't know. It's like book club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. From this ancient text that millions <laughs> of people have read. Like what could be better? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It's really interesting. Have you ever read East of Eden? East of Eden. By John Steinbeck. I have not. Oh, I think I read that along like in college or something. It's like a sort of retelling of Genesis through American lenses. It's very interesting, but there is a, a long chapter about one word in the Bible and the interpretations of it. It's really interesting. <laughs> I think about it. I, I think I read that book 20 something years ago, and I think about it all the time. That's so interesting. So that's my record. <laughs> I think I read it and I don't remember it. So I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) I asked that question in part. I know when I'm when I'm reading something, I get nerdily excited if there's like a Catholic scene because I'm like, I know exactly what this person is talking about, whether it's fiction or particularly like a memoir. If anyone talks about the Catholic Church, I get just very excited. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we have this thing in common. I'm curious, Levita, uh, you, you've mentioned your family quite, you know, quite a bit. One thing I love to hear about, and again, this might not be true for you, but about like Catholic grandmas and different rituals they may have had. Because oh I feel like there's all this stuff that I thought was part of our religion, Catholic, but it, yeah. it's always like, oh, no, my grandma just like did this thing and we all thought it was <laughs> part of her religion. religion. <laughs> If there's anything yeah. looking back you remember your family doing or well I just said oh my god because immediately I had a memory of my grandmother who um I wouldn't say that they had a she was very like to the whatever she learned from the church growing up and through her mother and uh, aunts and you know uncles or whatever she followed to a T so I, mm-hmm. I and for the most part I don't think I ever remember her doing something that wasn't outside of the box and being like, hmm, I don't think that's really actually a thing, you know. <laughs> but um, I did remember the fact that um, my favorite thing about her, and I didn't get to spend a lot of time with her, you know, we came, we left Mexico around, I was around two years old. And uh, so we were undocumented up until um, I was about 13. And so mm-hmm. she would, she would, she was able to come visit on a visa Um but when she passed away, uh, we were still undocumented. So my mom couldn't go back and be there for her funeral. Ugh. It was really terrible. But every time she would visit, it would be like the best thing in the world, you know. And any memory mm-hmm. I have tied to like the rosary that's good is because of her. You know, I would, I, she would, I would sleep with her. She was my favorite person. And I remember mm-hmm. her just like, um, I would be asleep and I would wake up and she would be sitting up still going at it every bead every prayer and just in her you know very low like you were here like the hail marys you would hear the our fathers and it was like a 
I had like a sleep machine that just like lull, mm-hmm. l- like lulled me, even to the point where mm-hmm. you know, um, I still, I still say the ha- hail marys and our fathers when I'm really anxious mm-hmm. or when I'm feeling like, mm-hmm. you know, I just can't get through this today. Um, and so it, yeah, it's just like that was her, and yeah. um, she was a great one. <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. I love all our. Ca- We've had m- many guests talk about their Catholic grandmothers and their rosaries, and I think. I think it's so beautiful, and um, yeah. yeah, I really love. Don't that. you wish they could have just kept it to that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the rosary. I know. Yeah, the ritual, the repetitiveness, the meditative meditativeness. Yeah, but don't that right. didn't your Steph? Don't tell that to your dad. Wasn't he a little taken aback when you said rosary is a meditation? <laughs> really? Yeah, he said at church he sort of likes to to like he stops thinking and he just sort of gets calm and I was like oh dad you're meditating in church he goes I am not meditating that is not what church is Stephanie (laughs) okay interesting (laughs) but but isn't it isn't it a meditation that's an eastern religion thing (laughs) oh okay he thinks of it as like buddhist I think or yoga or something he's like I don't do that that's okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not what I'm practicing it's like, but it's because it's always the same I don't know there's a I feel like that's the calming part of it like why you go when you're homesick yeah right well I'm putting you on the spot so I apologize you already talked about one but would you be willing to recommend a book it doesn't need to be related to Catholicism just a book that our listeners might enjoy I realize it's a lot of pressure for uh, a person who talks about books all the time to pick. Yeah, um, you know, I'm just gonna hit you with like my obvious ones that I've been like. Yes. I feel like I've been recommending to everyone. Please, "How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water" by Angie Cruz. It's like a very short book, but it's so insightful. It's so powerful. The voice in there is so incredible it'll stick with you forever it's yes. a story about a woman named Cara Romero she's in her 50s she's lost her job she's estranged from her son and you don't know why um, a lot of things are falling apart for her she's kind of a mess and uh, she has to do 12 sessions with a job counselor because she uh, needs a job um, mm. and so through those 12 sessions you learn more about her life and uh, it's just a way I think that when we think about mothers and motherhood and community, how difficult and nuanced and complicated all things are and how people aren't just good or bad. You know, there's a lot of different reasons why people are the way they are. So I would highly recommend that yes. one. Yes. You've absolutely sold me. I <laughs> hear the audiobook is to die for. Ooh, Apparently, I've been okay. told on TikTok by a lot of people that it's the best audiobook they've ever listened to, all that right. it's very entertaining. I Ooh. fight with people on TikTok all the time and I say, but you have to read the physical copy. <laughs> um, and, you know, but I, I really don't care audio or physical. I just think it's a book that everybody should read. And the People Who Report More Stress by Alejandro Valera is very amazing. It's a collection of short stories. It is basically the, what the title implies. It's a, a short story collection that weaves in like the different ways in which just living life and like microaggressions and racism and dealing with mm-hmm. systems that crush us impact our general health. Um, mm-hmm. So we all know that stress is a chronic trigger to any health problem that you end up having. And so um, the stories are really funny. They're not just like dark and like difficult, like 
in there. One of my favorite stories is about the UN, but imagine it gay. And, you know, I'll solve those <laughs> in the bed with the US. And so it's, it's so innovative. It's so funny. Um, it's got queer parenting stuff in there. It's just one of my favorite books this year. Um, oh, and then right. of course, Nicole's book, Nicole's book, um, I think in theme yeah. with what we're, we've been talking about is um, a really good book. Great. I'm excited to read these. Gonna go request some stuff at the library. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. Lupita, where can people find you? Yes. So I am on Instagram at lupita.reads. Don't forget the dot. And um, (laughs) I am on TikTok there as well under the same handle. I'm on Twitter under the same handle, except instead of the dot, there's an underscore because I don't know, Twitter sucks. They didn't let me get the dot. Uh, yeah twitter sucks in general let's stick to that um and i'm on substack so i think uh, i dropped my substack um where people can find me but thank you so much for inviting me to be here and to talk to you all about such a interesting topic that i've never thought to really talk about or think through so i really appreciate what you all are doing thank you thank you thanks so much for being willing to come on and uh trusting us to have these conversations. I know it can be weird. I think this is something a lot of us don't talk about. And especially queer folks or folks with different marginalized identities, this can feel a little scary to talk about. So I I do really appreciate you uh, being willing to to jump in and try this with us. No, this was so fun. This was so fun. I would totally thank you. It was a joy to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, do you want to do a special collection? Oh, whoa, oh, oh, special collection. <laughs> Do you have an organization you'd like to recommend? Yes. uh, I love to recommend that folks donate to Trans Health Legal Fund. It's a legal defense Mm -hmm. fund for those criminalized for accessing gender-affirming health care. I think we just need to quit with the transphobia already because it sucks. So Yeah. Great. Yes, please do, if you can, donate. We will link that in the show notes. We will link all of this in the show notes. All right. And now we will end. The way we always do. Steph and Lupita, and also with you. Also with you, Anne and Lupita. Am I supposed to say? You don't have to. Absolutely up to you. It's just one of those things they don't say really in (laughs) church anymore. So I slapsed people. Always go to say, and also with you, like we don't. They've changed. You know, they've changed it. It's now. It's changed. It's and with your spirit. Oh no, I did not know that. Not at not at yours. When the priest says, "Peace be with you." You don't say also with you anymore. And also with you. Yeah. No, yeah. no, we still say also with you. <laughs> you? Well, I want to, now I'm going to go to the church you go to. I feel like the last time I was there was for Ash Wednesday, they said, and also with you. Maybe it's Rebel. a people's uprising. You just say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just saying it. I didn't even think like, hey, what's everyone else saying? Now I will go back just to confirm, okay? I will go back. I will do You'll that. You have to let us know. <laughs> I will do that. You can tell if you're at a mass where you're with a lot of people who haven't been to mass in a long time, like a wedding or something, because everyone says the wrong stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Lupita. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you again for thinking of me.